Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Aussie Tech Heads is brought to you by startnewcompany.com.au. Register your company fast, easy, and direct with ASIC. All documentation is provided and held in your account for downloading at any time. Special discount for ATH listeners. At the cart, use ATH20 for a $20 discount. And athwebhosting.com.au. Servers operate on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, Domain registration and easy install of WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. Welcome to episode 730 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. What's up? What's up? Tell you what, that guy who does the intro is pretty talented, isn't he? Isn't he? What? <laughs> I mean, the first That's guy. Glenn right, you're talking the about. The guy right? right at the start who does the uh, the ad for the batteries. Oh, don't mm. know him. He's actually the, the in real life. You sounds nothing like that. He's actually got a really thick British accent. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's the complete opposite of what you expect. It's like when um, what's his name, David Tennant, did Doctor Who and had to do a yeah. non-Scottish accent. I'm speaking Scottish right now. <laughs> I'm speaking English right now. I'm sorry, I can't understand. Is it? Well, I, hmm? yeah. I had a few uh, new things happen. I got another vape, so this is my third one now. This is the Vupu. Same to you. Vupu Vinci 2. And it's quite good. It only needs the one um, 18650 battery. Those big clouds, and it's got a little OLED screen on there, which looks pretty cool. And I really like it's my new favourite one, and oh. I got um, a oh. new um, liquid, e-liquid from a, a group called Sad Boy. <laughs> what a name for a company! <laughs> How long's that vape? That one last? Gets you, gets you through a day? Um, let's see. When did I get it? Was it Friday? I think. Hmm. And um, I don't vape constantly, but I do quite a lot. And um, I just replaced the battery yesterday. So if you're heavy vape, you get a day or two out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not too bad off a single battery. Yeah, so I was quite happy with that, and I've already got the charger from um, eBay, so I just whack it in there, and I've got I got one uh, eighteen six fifty with this one, and I already bought four from eBay a couple of weeks ago, so I've always got them charged and rotating yeah. through. And as soon as one fin- one or two finish, they go straight in. But my big one, the Geek <clears throat> Vape Aegis one. I'm not using anymore because I just really like this. And it's sort of halfway between the two. That's the little one that I had. That's from a starter kit one. So if you knew you want to try something like that, 
because it would slip down into my pocket beside my wallet and stuff. But this one's enough to keep in your pocket. It's not too big and it's not too bulky. So um, this one, I don't think it must have an 18650. It's very light and a lot thinner. Yeah, so it's a I don't know what it's got, but um, I like the new one. And I decided to go for the ring doorbell. Ring ring? From Amazon. Amazon. Which has got a bit of a story. So I, the reason I got it was because I was getting packages delivered and the people who deliver the packages didn't ring the bell or knock or anything and I'd just walk out during the day and I'm like, oh, there's a package on the front doorstep. Lucky I noticed that. So I thought, stuff it, I'm going to get a smart doorbell that's going to make a notification happen on my phone. So I ordered the uh, Amazon Ring and installed that, and it works really good. Even if you can set it so even if someone just walks past, so if they just drop off a package and run, it'll still play a notification on your phone. But if they press the button and ring the doorbell, it'll play a different ding-dong notification. And um, you can also have video, and it takes snapshots every few hours or so just so you can see what's been happening during the day in low res black and white and they've also with this one i got was the 3b plus which does a pre-roll so uh it actually records the first few seconds before someone presses the doorbell so it's constantly waiting and then before they press it it'll have like three seconds so you can see what was happening just before they pressed it, so you can see what's going on. It, it works really well. Um, and then I got... Uh, oh, it oh, turns out when the um, postman was delivering the new doorbell, he'd had to call out to me, Jace, Jace, are you there? And I was like, oh, yeah, came right into the door. He's like, your doorbell doesn't work. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, I put the new one on, and today he came to... Uh, deliver something and he's like oh you got a new doorbell i said yeah that's what you were delivering in the package last time was a new one and um the funny thing was dad pointed out that maybe people had been dropping the package and pressing the doorbell but because it didn't work i didn't know i thought that my doorbell was fine i don't know i've got the button out the front and there was two uh, chimes, so I don't think the chimes would have gone out, but maybe the button had broken or the battery stopped working on that. So it could have been that people had been dropping off packages, ringing the doorbell and going, but I didn't know because the doorbell didn't work. So <laughs> now I've got one that does work. So I went and got the Echo Show 5, which is uh, Amazon Alexa device that um, has video on it, so you can connect it to your ring doorbell and when somebody comes up to the doorbell it'll say some movement was detected at the door you can click on it and see the video and then someone rings the doorbell and it'll show you a live video and you can talk to the person through the echo show and the voice comes out through the doorbell which is what happens if you use your phone you can uh it'll come up on the phone and you can see the person there and you can talk to them talk on the phone and it comes out through the doorbell and that can happen wherever you are in the world so long as you've got internet so even if you've gone down the shops somebody comes to your doorbell Hi, i'm just delivering a package you can just say oh, okay just leave it there i'll be out in a minute even though you're down the shops you don't want to say nobody's at home to strangers but um also you can see if any jw's or what have you come to the door and you're like no i'm not interested in not even opening your door which is fantastic 
Um, but I found out with the Echo Show 5, I had a problem, and so did lots of other people apparently on their forums, that you can hear the person at the doorbell, but they can't hear you. So you're having a one-way conversation, which doesn't work too well. So I tested with my phone. I could talk to them. They could hear me. They could talk to me. I could hear them. But with the Echo Show 5, I can hear them, but I'm talking and they can't hear it. And you check, is the microphone enabled? Yep. All the permissions? Yep. Just doesn't work. And so a lot of people had complained and um, didn't work for them. So I took mine back, got a refund, and I just got the Ring Chime, which is a uh, doorbell chime that you just plug into any power socket connected up to the um, ring doorbell and when they ring it it'll ring on your phone and also on this so if I've gone out my daughter and father don't have to install the app on their phones because the doorbell will this will still ring while I'm not there and um, they'll be able to answer the door so I might go on holiday if we ever get allowed to go on holidays ever again government and um dad will be looking after the cats or something at night so if the doorbell rings the next day or in the evenings he'll know because the chime will go off and it's got all the different style chimes you can get it to make a notification if someone walks near the door but you probably don't want to do that with the chime just with your phone but this morning i got a notification about nine o'clock there was movement out the front of your door it's like Nobody rang a doorbell, so I went and had a look at the video, which it saves, and the neighbour's cat had walked past the front door. Yes. I mean, heaven forbid two Amazon products actually work together properly. Yes. But um, with with the 3 Plus um, doorbell, you can draw on your screen an area that you want it to monitor. So if, you, if you've got a wide view and your front door is like near the pavement and people walking past all the time. You don't want it to go off all the time, so you can set that. But it's also got a people-only mode, so it'll detect if there was a cat, it'll ignore it. If it's dog, birds, whatever, it'll ignore it. And just if it detects a person's face or a person's body near the door, then it can notify you that something's happening. So I could turn that on, but I think it's funny videoing and watching the cat walking past <laughs> It's, I don't mind that. It's um, must be the week for it because uh, yeah, we our we're in a um, shared complex at work, mm-hmm. and it got broken into last weekend. Oh jeez! Uh, none of the actual businesses inside got broken into, but the complex got broken into. Some tools got taken out of some vehicles, and a few other bits and pieces went missing. Uh. So it bought forward our decision to invest in security system. We'll go and do it anyway, but we won't go and do it yet. Yes. <laughs> Especially since you're gonna be moving soon. Well, in theory, yeah. Um <laughs> we we're gonna to have to buy one at the new place anyway, but so I figured, well Okay. They gave me an opportunity to get I used to do security systems twenty five ah. years ago. So you might know what you're doing then. <laughs> so well it actually hasn't changed that much in 25 years. Um, there's a few differences, but the basic the basics are the same, but you get higher res. Yeah, higher, that's the biggest thing. Higher res, uh, less, you know, and one computer now can run 64 cameras, whereas... And you're uh, not recording it to VHFs. Well, even back then it wasn't. Like, even in 2000, you could I could do it all digitally. Oh, okay. But you could really only put about eight, eight cameras at 800 by 600. 
Yep. Um, on a computer before the computer just decided that that was that it had enough at life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back then, we we're using Grand Tech video cards and and um, Pentium two and yeah. Uh, yeah, AMD at fifties generally because AMD's had a better processing power for for video. Um, but so looking into it, and yeah, I'll I'll do an actual video uh, once I get all the system up and running. But um, yeah, we're just saying you haven't done a video for a while. Yeah, um, but it, you know it's all going to be power over Ethernet stuff, so I've only got to run one cable instead of having to run two or three cables like you used to have to do, and then find a PowerPoint to run them all to and. <laughs> I didn't want to go Wi-Fi because it, you've still got to run a power cable um, yep. Yep. and Wi-Fi, we're in an industrial complex, so there's a lot of um, electrical noise. Electrical so, too, probably. Yeah, not, yeah, a little bit, but it's mainly electrical noise, so a lot of, um, you know, interference, yep. um, random interference and stuff, so all hardwired, running through a, you know how hard it was to find a power over Ethernet switch like so, for example, almost all of the power over Ethernet switches that were eight port were only four port powered, and oh. if they're sixteen port, they're only eight port powered. It's like, <laughs> what's why? the point of that? I want a sixteen port switch with sixteen powered ports. I don't want to have to buy a thirty-two port switch just to get sixteen <laughs> ports. Like, how dumb! Uh, and then there's PoE, PoE plus, and PoE plus A. So there's three different categories of power over Ethernet. So you've got to make sure that the hub also supports that. Yep. And then you've got to use CAT6E or CAT6EU or UTP, depending on what the thickness of the cable is, depending <laughs> on the current... Oh. But anyway, so I figured all that out. Found finally found a 16-port hub that was 16-port PoE. Yep. Um, got some pretty nice... Got a P, uh, PTZ camera, which is a full controllable, rot- you know, Zoom and five by optical zoom and full pitch and your control three sixty rotation. Can you put um, it on automatic so it just sits there going? You can. You can put it on track too. So if it, they got they got AI in them and they can distinguish the difference between people and animals and they can even do facial recognition to the point that if you work there it ignores you. Ah, okay. Um, and that one's going to go out the front. So the if you want to knock off the place, get a job there first. Yes, I said it to ignore. Get known by the AI. <laughs> And yeah, it'll actually track. So if somebody comes into the car park, it'll zoom in on them and it'll follow them all the way around the car park. Oh, nice. So that one, there's one at the side and a couple of fixed zoom ones for inside. So it's all, that's a so... One pointing right at the cash register. It's so much cheaper than it used to be. Like it used to have, back when you're doing analog cameras and then doing a multiplexer splitter and all that sort of stuff, which I actually still have all that. Yep. But it actually was going to be dearer to get digital capture cards to do that than it was just to buy a whole new system. Um, but it used to be, you know, you spend a thousand dollars per camera easy. Yep. You know, now you're spending three hundred dollars on a fan, on a four K camera. <laughs> <laughs> like, sixty frames a second. Yeah, sixty frames a second at four K. Yeah. This is what it records at. That's and what then, the banks should have, right? You know, <laughs> um, and then. The, I only just discovered another thing too. They have two feeds. They have a 4K 60 frame a second resolution. Yep. That that's the recording feed, but the software doesn't have to display that. It has a crippled feed at like 640 by 480 at like five frames a second, and yep. that's what it displays when you're looking at all of the cameras. Oh, okay. So the processor's not working super hard to. It's recording at high, but it only yeah. shows you cut down. It's just doing straight through. It's sending the the recorded. Because the camera now has an SD card, you can record directly to SD as well. 
Uh. And then, so it the the camera does all the processing work now. It does all the compression and compiling of the video footage, and then just sends the packet down the network line. And then you doing if you want to view the view the video, you actually have to. You know, it's already pre-compiled. You're literally just viewing it. The camera's doing well, that, the work. That'd trick them because someone <laughs> will break in. They're like, "Oh, there's the cameras wired. We'll pull all those ways out. Don't worry about the cameras. They can't record anything." Meanwhile, the camera's saved it onto the SD yeah, card. That's that's exactly <laughs> right. That's what you do. You put a you put a um, like a 128 gig micro SD into the cameras, and it's like a weak rotation on the camera that's by itself. Good. So even independent of a computer, the the cameras will do the work, but then you can do the computer as well. So you got, you know, multiple recordings. Got to have backups and stuff. So if someone pinches a camera, you've still got a local copy of it. You know. I remember <clears> in the nineties, I was living at my aunt and uncle's place in Newcastle. While I was looking for a job because there wasn't anything in this little town, and um, I bought a because I had my Commodore sixty four and then a PC and VZ everything all in my bedroom. I thought, well, I'll get a little alarm thing in case anyone tries to break in because it's right near the train station and all that. So I set this up and had a big um, speak, a big uh, siren thing, and connected to the power. So um, and I put a, a hook on my door and said, "Don't go in there because <laughs> it's alarmed." And went off to TAFE or whatever I was doing at the time, or off to work. And my aunt decided to take my clothes off the line, fold them for me, and put them in my room. So she opens the door, walks in, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And she's, her husband comes running out. And my uncle's like, what have you done? She's like, oh, I, I set off Jason's thing. I don't know how to stop it. He's like, okay, well, we'll just unplug it. And it switched over to the internal 9-volt battery. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. He's like, okay, we'll just, I'll get my screwdriver. We'll unscrew and take the wires because it was just, screws on it with the wires connected for the siren so he unscrews those took that off so it switched to an internal speaker (laughs) and i I came home from wherever i was walked into my room and here's my alarm system underneath my bedroom pillow to try and (laughs) what happened they're like Oh, we forgot that you have that thing in there, so we set it off. We couldn't shut it up. We pulled out the power; it kept going. We pulled off the speaker, uh, siren; it kept going. <laughs> oh, dear. oh, my my poor aunt nearly had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, you know, it, it's come a long way in the, these days, and I'm using the Rio Link stuff, which is um, all Swan cameras. You see the Swan yep. systems in Bunnings and all that. Everywhere, yeah. They're, they're all re- popular. They're rear links. They're rebadged rear links. Rear link basically. Uh-huh. So, and there's another company, it's in, uh, another quite popular one as well that use rear link cameras. Yep. So I just went straight to the rear links because, I mean, that's what they use anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got, yeah, AI. They've got person detection, animal detection, vehicle detection. So if they see a car driving through and the car triggers uh, the event, it'll zoom, zoom in, in on, on the number, the number plate. plate. Yeah. And the footage, like, it's, it's true. It's like, it's... You get the optical zoom of a 5K optical zoom, 5K, five times optical zoom, but they also do, you know, because it's such high quality, you can also get a fair chunk of digital zoom out of them. Oh, nice. And um, the footage is amazing. It, it's um, uh, like what you'd expect from like a, you know, high quality... Commercial um, system. Yeah, video camera, you know. Like it's... Um, Let's see if I can quickly find some footage. So that's that's 
you know, what you're looking at for... Auto-zoomed in. Auto-zoomed, auto-track. You know, that's what the system's the system's automatically doing that. Yep. Obviously, it's sped up, but, you yep. know, tracks a car halfway down the street or whatever, so... There's someone who looks very dodgy. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was... Big one! Oops. When it's playing that really fast one, can you get it to play the, Yuckety Sex? But, yeah, so it's a, it's been a week for security. And then Glenn, <laughs> Glenn was saying today that his security system died. Ah. He's got the Swan system with the yep. DVR box, or the NVR they call it, the, the box that records the footage. And the box died. And well. his cameras don't support... IP independent yep. like Blue Aura software or anything like that they have to use the Swan box and you can't buy the box separate without buying the cameras <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's got to buy a whole new system so now I found him on the Blue Aura forums as somebody's come up with a hack to flash them back to the Reolink firmware then they'll work with the, just the ah. basic software so he's going to do that and see if he can get it working <laughs> and uh, yeah so it's been a week for security this week it's been weird security 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Ritchie. <laughs> oh, Miss Benno, actually. Uh, You're right there. But, uh, <laughs> hey, what? You're right there. Security. Yes, yeah. Mr. Benno. Yeah. Yeah. Take him out, security. Right, Mr. Benno. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, not like right, that. I'll take him out, security. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Benno. <laughs> uh,. Anywho, um, do some, oh, what's this stuff going along up here uh, first? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I said we got a new sub. Did you see? New sponsor. What? Hey, we did. Gooey. What? Gooey joined up to oh, the Patreon. That's right. Did he? Yep. Why did I not get the notification on this? Where is my notification? Patreon, you're letting me down. He's, he contacted me and said he would like one of our lovely NFTs. So I sent uh, him one and he got it in his wallet. So he's got a Aussie Techheads NFT, first person to get one. And that's worth one engine coin. But, you know, if we get really popular, it could be worth two. <laughs> At least. <laughs> or if the other th- three that we've got we don't get rid of, we'll just trade them <laughs> in and that'll make that one worth three. Yay! <laughs> At the start, yeah, so he, he signed up to the Patreon, where we've got a few other people as well. Nice. We do, and I can't access any of it because Patreon's decided to boot me off, and <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of the back, oh, the back end in Patreon, I'll tell you what. Terrible. It's really clunky. It's 14, gotta- 14 clicks just to, like, Get to the stupid thing. It's, we got a bouncy yellow skull. Uh, we do. We got bouncy yellow skull. We have Chris, Kate, and Gooey, and they're just the ones who. Uh, Gooey's going to get a surprise because he's going to be listening to this podcast. He says, "You listen to all our shows: Aussie Tech Heads, Old Fart Geeks, Obsidian Love Minecraft Podcast, Aussie Tech Crypto." How does somebody put up with us that much? We'll never know, but he's going to get a surprise because we mentioned him this week. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're the the ones who who don't win. Wow, words. There's the ones who aren't English, do you speak it? (laughs) Apparently not, no. Um, uh, What was I going to say? Yeah, the 
there, there are others, a, a few others as well, who wish to remain anonymous. Is what I am trying to say. Of yep. course, you can also donate on uh, Kofi Ko.fi Ko-fi.com. Um, you can get us there, or uh, PayPal, or direct deposit, or you can just give us cash. Send us cash in the mail, like Grandma used to. That's fine. Bitcoin mm. engine will take everything. Yeah, stray coin. Anywhere you want to do coin. it. All the all the coins. Uh, it does help us out. Goes to obviously helping us um, keep the show up and running. NFTs. And, and um, Battery Central Ipswich, of course, is now I'm proud to say me and Sonia now own that. If you're a long time listener, you know that I've been working with them for over ten years. So mm. I finally bought Should my know what you're doing by own now, right? slice of pie. But uh, if you are a listener and you do want to, we do ship some stuff nationwide. Um, but at the very least, I can help you out with what you need. Give us a call and. Um, Aussie tech heads get between 10 and 25% off, depending on the product. And he's got good advice too. <laughs> well, you know. He even knew what an 18650 was and I had no idea. I'd never heard of him before. Yeah, well, they'll be hearing more and more. I'm like, those. oh, I need the, a um, battery for my vape. i got some rechargeables. I've got triple A's and double A's. And Will's like, yeah, they're not going to cut it. <laughs> eighteen six fifty is completely different. I'm like, well, I don't know. I've never heard of an eighteen six fifty before. What's that? A uh, how you triple A's are tiny, double A's. They must have A's, and then they do. what's the eighteen six fifty? You go have, backwards to the Z. Is it a Z now? They have or, quad A's as well. Quad A's, which is half a triple A. Miniature, yeah. <laughs> but what do you? How how do you go bigger than? We don't a because for an they with with lithium batteries they they measure them. Uh, so eighteen six fifty is eighteen mil milliamp hours. No, eighteen oh. eighteen mil across and six fifty or sixty five oh, mil okay. long. Okay, it's the dimensions. Yeah. Wow. Whereas um, if you get the coin cells like your twenty thirty two, like your button cells for your key fobs and stuff. Yep. So you know a sixteen thirty two is sixteen mil. Um, Across and one and three point two mil thick. Oh, I need something mm. for my um, Fitbit Aria scales because it's got flat battery coming up now. Yep. So yeah, w- once you get into the lithium batteries, the numbers on the battery designate the the size. Mm. But eighteen six fifty is uh, the most common. They're in just about laptops and they're in basically everything. The the Tesla juice. Yeah. Yeah. Tesla fuel. <laughs> Should we do some uh, news? Uh, yeah, why not? Let's, let's Here's try. one you're going to love. <laughs> Brave, the maker of the popular ad blocking browser, opened on Tuesday a public beta of its privacy focused search engine, a first step in creating a product that could compete with Market Titan Google. Brave Search will become the default search engine in the Brave browser later this year. Unlike other new search engines, which generally repackage results from Google and Microsoft's Bing, Brave is building an independent index of the web. Brave search will rely on Bing in some areas, like images, where its own results aren't yet good enough. And for ordinary searches, Brave can blend in Google results for people who enable the feature when prompted. Initially, Brave Search won't show ads, the chief way that Google monetizes its search results. Later, it'll offer free ad-supported search and paid option with no ads. Taking on Google is an enormous undertaking. More than 92% of all searches go through Google, according to analytics firm StatCounter. Bing is a distant second with less than 3%, 
but an opportunity may have opened as Google comes under intensifying pressure to protect consumer privacy and as governments around the world ramp up antitrust scrutiny. Public opinion, legal action and legislation could help smaller challenges take on big tech. Getting lots of people using Brave Search is crucial to its success, said Chief Executive Brendan Eich, who led Mozilla and Firefox before co-founding Brave. Users are vital to improving our search. With the collective actions anonymously steering Brave servers toward high-quality websites, Brave Search should be scanning and including in its results, he said. Brave built its search engine out of Tailcat, which it acquired earlier this year from Germany's Hubert Birder Media. Tailcat was designed to deliver search results without logging user activity or creating profiles. Brave launched its first browser five years ago. It's available on Windows, Mac OS, Android, iOS, and Linux. And the company has grown its user base to 32 million people each month. Ike expects to receive to reach 50 million by the end of the year. I'm surprised that uh, they didn't sort of get into bed with DuckDuckGo on that one. Yeah. They're going to be a bit of a competitor with DuckDuckGo, but you'll be able, you can, they have currently DuckDuckGo's default for Brave, mm. if I use it on my phone. It's the same on, uh, uh, is it Oprah, I think as well, or Firefox? Oprah, I think, it's default oh, right. as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm really surprised they didn't go collabs with them, that'd be the perfect opportunity. I mean, they're both ultimately gunning for the same end result. Yeah, privacy. So, I don't really know. And I mean, you know, unless it's going to, I mean, there's nothing to say that that's not happening in the behind the scenes. You might have to pay to license DuckDuckGo, and if they got their own I doubt it. IP, they wouldn't have to worry. DuckDuckGo is the same as any other search engine. The more traffic they get, the more they make. But they, they, I mean, they're not monetized anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they might be doing it the other way around. Brave might be starting a a search engine on behalf of DuckDuckGo and they might amalgamate later, like, uh, yeah. you know. I it's mean, if you've, got, if you've got twice as many people using the same platform, you're going to, you know, searching for results and you're crawling at twice the speed and you're amalgamating your results. Yeah. You know, I don't mind them amalgamating with Google. That's fine or with being... But as long as they say on the search result yeah. where it's pulled that lead from. Yeah, it says you can opt in if you want to, but you don't have to, so it's still good for privacy. That's the one thing that does annoy me a little bit about DuckDuckGo. Um, if they don't get a good hit on something, they won't bring up like a Bing or a Google result, which... Yeah, you just get nothing. ...could at least help you out. Yeah. All they'd have to say is, is these results brought to you by Google or something, you know what I mean? Like... Um, or click here to try this on Google. Yeah, because DuckDuckGo, I love it, but it's not always. It doesn't always do what you want it to do. Yeah, it's a fallback. And you can't send them a link on how to use it like you can with Google. <laughs> <laughs> how do I Google? Is great. Let me Google this <laughs> let, for let, you. Let me Google this for you. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I send. I do that all the time in comments. You've just given spoon fed this person information for the last twenty minutes, and they go and you're like, right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me it's Google also it just effing Google it. Yeah. <laughs> com. With not spelled effing though. <laughs> uh, do you? But yeah, no, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'll, I don't mind. I'm going to start switching over my personal because at the moment I've got mine and Battery Central Ipswich and What Energy sort of all amalgamated into the <laughs> one thing. I'm going to try and separate my personal from my business and pull them apart. 
and I'll put my personal stuff on um, on yeah, Brave. Um, and I'll run that through Brave. The work stuff can stay on Google just because obviously we use Google Docs and, and whatever, yep. so it's easier to keep it there. And then, so we shall see. But that's the plan, that's anyway. Good. That's the plan. Um, all right, so I suppose we have to uh, have to talk about John McAfee. Yeah. Uh, he was 75. Uh, if you don't know, he was the antivirus creator of... Presumably the hardest to remove antivirus in the world. <laughs> he even shot a laptop with his revolver <laughs> to show that's how he uninstalls it. Um, so, long story short, is after trying to run for presidency in, what was it, mid-90s or something, wasn't it? He basically got done for, for tax evasion. Out of all the things he could have got done for, he got done for tax evasion. Supposedly murdered his next-door neighbour. <laughs> Laundered money. <laughs> no, nothing came of any of that. No. But he... Um, He's the Al Capone. He got nice. you on tax evasion, that's it. But uh, basically, um, he was found dead in his prison cell in Barcelona after the Spanish High Court had just authorised his extradition to the US. Um, the Catalan Justice Department said, confirming that... Um, <laughs> Everything points to, although there is no evidence of, death by suicide. <laughs> so, it'll be the same sort of suicide that... Um, Accidentally that, shot himself that, 40 times in his cell. Yeah, you know. Uh, what's, it'll be the same sort of suicide that Epstein, Epstein fell, fell foul of. Yeah. Um, Spontaneous suicide, I think they call it. In, in, <laughs> it's a legal term. I think that's what it was. Um, despite the fact that in the last couple of months he'd really ramped up his efforts to make sure his social media was, I will not kill myself, I'm happy where I am, I've got some friends here, we're all good. He got a tattoo to say, yep. they'll kill, if yep. I'm dead, it wasn't suicide, they've killed me. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they came for me and they got me, yeah, like, he knew, he, then it's exactly the same, like, as soon as he got, um, extra, extradited, it was always going to happen. I was reading something about he's supposed to have some uh, terabytes of data on some corrupt government officials. Oh, I absolutely guarantee he would. Yeah. Um, same way as Snowden is about to be extradited and most likely will go bye bye as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, the problem with the truth is it doesn't. That it, it, it. I mean, when they say the truth sets you free, they don't generally literally mean that. <laughs> They mean it figuratively. Yeah. Um, and this is what happens to all these guys. They've all had black books or hard drives or FTP servers somewhere with information not necessarily um, not necessarily uh, uh, wanted by or wanted to be released by certain parties. Is it um, Snowden or Assange? Uh, Assange, sorry. No, Snowden no, Snow was the same. He had his little black No, ball. but who's going to be extradited uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, got, yeah. I got my good guys mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Assange, same thing. You know, yeah. went, to, went to prison for something he didn't do or had to go on the Tried run for something he didn't do. Tried to pin a bunch of other things on him that just magically came out and then disappeared. Then disappeared as quickly as they appeared, yeah. And, um, you know, so and then obviously is the power of the media to turn people against him. Because it's easier that way. Yep. You know. So, um, but yeah, so anyway, 
that was so he's seventy five and you, know, you can't exactly say he uh, hasn't lived a good life though. <laughs> now he doesn't have to eat his shorts. I was going to say, is that a... <laughs> Bitcoin goes up. That's what happened. He choked on his shorts. That's what, <laughs> that's what it'll be. You watch. That's how he died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, dear, poor McAfee. Those bath salts didn't really help, did they? There's still computers out there that forever live in your name. <laughs> <laughs> Frank McCourt, the billionaire real estate mogul and former owner of Los Angeles Dodgers, is pouring $100 million in an attempt to rebuild the foundations of social media. The effort, which he is loftily named Project Liberty, centers on the construction of a publicly accessible database of people's social connections, allowing users to move records of their relationships between social media services instead of being locked into a few dominant apps. The undercurrent of Project Liberty is a fear of the power that a few huge companies, and specifically Facebook, have amassed over the last decade. Project Liberty would use blockchain to construct a new internet infrastructure called the Decentralized Social Networking Protocol. With cryptocurrencies, blockchain stores information about the tokens in everyone's digital wallets. The DSNP would do the same for social connections. Facebook owns the data about the social connections between its users, giving it an enormous advantage over competitors. If all social media companies drew from a common social graph, the theory goes, they'd have to compete by offering better services and the chance of any single company becoming so dominant would plummet. Building DSNP falls to Braxton Woodham, the co-founder of the meal delivery service Sunbasket and former chief technology officer of Fandango, the movie ticket website. McCourt hired Woodham to build the protocol and pledged to put $75 million into an institute at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and Sciences Po in Paris to research technology that serves the common good. The rest of his $100 million will go towards pushing entrepreneurs to build services that utilize the DSNP. A decentralized approach to social media could actually undermine the power of content moderation by making it easier for users who are kicked off one platform to simply migrate their audience to more permissive ones. McCourt and Woodham say the blockchain could discourage bad behavior because people will be tied to their posts forever. Eventually, the group plans to create its own consumer product on top of the DSNP infrastructure and wrote in a press release that the eventual release result will be an open, inclusive data economy where individuals own, control, and derive greater social and economic value from their personal information. It sounds an awful lot like Solid. Which is like who? Solid. Which Solid. is Tim Berners-Lee's reinvention of the internet. Ah, yep. That he's doing exactly the same thing. It's all modular, decentralized. Um, yeah. So they instead of I might join with him. I was going to say he'd probably just be better off joining with him and like because Tim's already a fair way into. Oh, they're finally releasing pods to the public. Ooh, sorry, I just realised I can get a solid pod now. Um, um what? <laughs> so the Tim's Burnley project, which is called Solid. So a pod is where you store your data. Um, any kind of data can be stored in a pod. Once it's stored, you control who accesses it, where it goes, what you can do with it. You can host it on a provider or you can self-host it. Um, so it's kind of in the same way, kind of like a blockchain. But it's yep. literally, it's not just a, it's not just a key. It's uh, it's literally the data. Oh, right. it, it's it's a block of it. Yeah, where all your data is kept. So you go here, Facebook. You have access to my pod. Or you go, um, YouTube. you know, here YouTube, you can have 
these three sections of the pod, but you can't have the rest. So it's like it's full control over over who it is. So I'll are people to... just going to be like when they install apps on Android? It says I need access to these things that I don't need access to. They go yes, 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 yes. It's going to take too long for me to deal with. Uh, sort of, but not really, because it's decentralized. A lot of the stuff. So, for example, if you had a Facebook account, you would have already given them X amount of data that they can use. So when you then install the app, that yep. carries over. So they're not going to ask you the same questions again. Or like, if you're somebody who's got their account set to private, they're not going to say, "Well, we'll let's publicly share your photos and stuff." Um, it's it's a much simpler process, you right, know. Right. In, instead of Instead of them saying, we want access to this, we want access to this, we want access to this, you literally go, here's what you can have right? on right. sign-up. That's it. You, you don't get any. And if I want to add something later, I just give them access to something later. Yeah. Um, and then you can revoke it if you want to. Exactly. It's And it's literally just a, a fully modular system. Uh, you have control from end to end. They, at no point do they great. have control over it. Yep. Um, so it's now simple. we just have to get Facebook to delete all the stuff they've already got. Well, this is, yeah, see, this is the thing. It has to, for Solid to work, it's not really designed to work on the internet the way the internet is. It's designed to work on the internet the way the internet should be, which is what I've been saying for years. The internet needs a complete reboot and needs to, needs to start again from scratch and... and yeah. um, Better protocols too, because exactly. TCP/IP and stuff like that is not made for fast moving no. things. And this is the thing: or security and solid is solid is um, uh, what's it called? It's um, it's modular, but it's sort of it's almost peer to peer in a lot of respects in the way it's designed. Yep. Um, it's. Yeah, so it's it's starting, it's creating a new internet concept. It's it's not even, it's really hard to explain. It's almost like, think of, um, if you've seen Ready Player One, obviously they're in, they're living in the world. That's, you can function living in the VR as well as you can function outside of it. It's the same sort of principle. So you would go into like the- Like a multiverse. Sort of thing. You'd go in there. And you would have your locker, and in your locker is stored all your information. And when somebody wants a piece of information, you go to your locker, you grab it, and you hand that piece of information to that person. But they can't access the rest of it. So yep. it's literally like a complete rethink and restructure of what the internet's supposed to be. Yeah. So it's um. It's a lot more secure. And it also allows itself to literally be. When you're online, you can literally be online. Like you, you will able to be able to be in the internet in that regard because it can almost act in a physical sense. Right. So it's not just, even though it is just data being passed around, it's it's um, it's a digital representation of yourself. Pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. it's whatever you if you've ever, um, it's kind of a cross between what they call the feed in the Diamond Age and how the internet works in Snow Crash. Yep. It's kind of somewhere between both of those. Um, but it's it's sort of becoming real. It's uh, I'll have to keep the page open because I'm going to grab myself a pod. They haven't been open to the public. That's been on close, limited release. Ah. 
So they've just opened up now. But yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Um, I hope they get together and hope they um, I hope they sort of work together and make it happen because build a <laughs> who better knows? We def- I mean, the internet that we currently have was built for the military to send messages to each other. So that's given it. that that's what it was designed for, I don't think it's done a bad job. So yeah. can, <laughs> can you imagine what happens when they actually design the internet to be what the internet is? The right way, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's something to look out for. Um. So yeah, what else have I got here? Speaking of um, not designing things right the first time or the second or eleventh in this case, Microsoft says Windows Eleven, and here's their punchline for for Windows Eleven: it will delight several parts of your body. <clears throat> Microsoft wants customers to believe its latest operating system will be multi-sensory wonder. Does it come with a flashlight? Whatever that means. <laughs> Um, well, do you remember last week I played the Apple's We're Better Than You and Unless You've Got an MacBook, You're Nobody? And at the end of it, we're like, what was that exactly an ad for? Yeah. So, um, this is Microsoft's go. This is their rebuttal. This is, this will blow your mind. This is absolutely amazing. Ready? Ready. Awesome. I can hardly wait. <laughs> I am on the edge of my seat. I can hardly so, wait for that one. So, so, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> In case and they're you're... a bit pissed off at the moment because uh, build of Windows it's 11 leaked on the internet and they're sending out DMCAs all over the place to try and shut them all down. It's not happening. Not only leaked, like even the big people have got involved in that, even like... Um, uh, like on, on YouTube, there's like, what happens if I run Windows 11 on a non-certified machine? And then you've got um, all these people like, I'm going to install it on here and see what it does. And what's the slowest system we can put it on? And what's the far, what's it do to your system before? Oh, there's so much stuff for it already. Then you've got um, Linus's tech tips, who I honestly can't stand. Just, <laughs> but, but he gets the stuff to watch. But that aside, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Linus Tech, and they put a what are they doing? They did uh, just let me just quickly see if I can find it. They just did a um, Windows 11, uh, something about um, don't uh, gaming on the leaked Windows 11. So, even they're even trying to see if you can run games and stuff on it. and <laughs> You know, so does it run Doom? That's all that matters these days, isn't it? I don't think it only runs Doom these days, does it? <laughs> um, does it blend? <laughs> hey, hang on, let me see. Does it blend? Does it blend? How do you uh, blend software? Eleven. It's digitally downloaded. <laughs> Let's see. Has he done it? Does it blend? Uh, no. Ah, oh. he will. <laughs> What do you stick it on an SD card and blend that? I don't. Is blend is blend tech still doing videos? Hang on, let me just have a look here. Uh, the last one was seven months ago. Yeah, uh, maybe they don't. Oh, not. they blend the Mandalorian season two. How rude! And why did they start? <laughs> Will it blend? Because a guy had a blender business. Yeah, and wanted to see. What he could get, how he could get people to buy the blenders. So he's like, let's do a will it blend and put a PlayStation in there. And- well, he claimed that it was unbreakable. Yeah. And that it would blend anything. And someone said, oh, why don't you blend, you know, it was marbles or something originally. 
Yep. And he's like, oh, this will be fun to film. Let's just chuck a camera <laughs> in front of it and chuck some marbles in it. And they did. Yeah. And what started off as this 30-second you know, marbles and Coke can and pens and I think there was a rake handle and some ice. The Ginsu knife will cut you know. through anything, even another knife. Yeah. You know, but then they they went, well, hang on, this is, you know, like their, their, their first video, which is Will It Blend Marbles, was 7.3 million views. And I bet you they went, hang on, <laughs> we can do stuff with this. So over the years, they've bumped it up and improved their blenders and, you know. It's, Between um, the Xboxes and Playstations oh, and Switches. And, and so many. I remember when they, they did the first iPad. Mm. Oh, the comments full of hate. <laughs> How dare you do that? We've had to All be in line boys. for three days. <laughs> like... You get the first one in line sometimes <laughs> of those things and then blend yeah. it. Oh, it was so funny. People are crying into their... <laughs> Uh, I love that sort of stuff. Into their, uh, what do they call it, Kool-Aid. That's, that's it, yeah. But, uh, mm, iPad smoke, don't breathe that. No. <laughs> I wonder if it came from the batteries. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was funny. But, um, I don't know where we're going with that, but, oh, that's Windows right, 11. yeah, Windows 11. So, we'll see, as you are saying before, there has still no mention on price that I can find anyway. There is a Windows 11 launch event due, Today. is it tonight? Is it? Yep. June US 24th, time. yeah. Um, so that's tonight so at some point. Probably starts at bloody 3 o'clock in the morning or something stupid. <coughs> um, Name is the FE token ICO. Yeah, probably. Let's see. It's scheduled for 11am ET, June 24th. And then there's a virtual developer event, which is 3pm. Uh, who are the so. developers that are virtual? Is it like <laughs> a computer that's, that's developing stuff now? That's what I was just wondering. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, they haven't really said anything about prices or anything yet, so we'll see. Will Windows 11 be a free upgrade from Windows 10? We don't know yet, but we're assuming it will be. Um, Find out tomorrow. Tune in next week for Aussie yeah. Tech uh, we'll, uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a bit of stuff here. There's not much, even on their own website at the moment. It's a bit of um, interface change, some backend stuff. There's supposed to be a new app store. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to have Project Latte on it. If it's got Project Latte on it, means it will run Android apps natively. Nice. Which would be good. And Linux now, so. And Linux natively. Going all which in. Makes sense because if it can run Linux, it can run Android. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. If I mean that, honestly, from our business standpoint, would be worth even if it was not a free upgrade, even if it was a purchase product. I would actually buy it just to run some Android apps because there's a couple of Android apps where I've had to buy Android tablet specifically to run because they don't have a Windows variant. Uh, They're only Android apps, um, which I don't mind, but literally that tablet runs two apps. That's that's its entire job. <laughs> so I've had to, you know, so if we could run those two apps on a Windows system, uh, as long as it interfaces correctly with like Bluetooth and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I would actually be really good. I mean, you can do it. You can run whatever it's called, Blue Streak or Blue Keys or whatever the thing's called, the emulators, but they're they're flaky. Yeah. yeah. So, I guess we'll wait and see what the conference thing has tonight. Yeah. Not that I'm going to watch it, but I'm sure somebody I'm will have... I'm staying up. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will have a, note, a notated format. For the first format few somewhere. years, I, I got up early to watch the Apple ones with the new iOS and stuff, and then I, after that, I'm like, I can't be bothered getting up that early. After actually having been fortunate enough to be at both the Windows... 95 and XP. 
Windows ME and Windows XP launches and Windows 2000 launch. I went to. I had all three of those paid for work for me. Yep. And we had the Mac. Snow Leopard. I'm trying to think. Whatever it was about that time, it was a major, major update, change, and release. Anyway. Probably Leopard. I went, <clears throat> I went to that one. I think it was when they had the IMAX. Oh, right. Might have been about then. Um, having to actually been to the seminars and then watching them online, I don't bother watching them online. Going to them, they're amazing. There's yep. so much happening. There's so many things to see, so much to do, so much to, so many, just, you can't, you, you don't, you can't focus on everything. There's so much going on. Uh, it's an entirely different experience to actually watching online. Watching online, you're like, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. But you don't get, like, when you're there, there's usually surprises under the seat and there's usually demo products and there's hands-on. And... You get a car and you <laughs> get a car. Well, when Windows um, XP come out, um, everybody who went to the seminar got a copy of XP. Yep. Um, got a copy of Office... I think it's Office 2000. Yep. Uh, student license. Um... We've got a copy of like four or five other programs and <clears throat> every business who sent for every like five employees that a business sent, they got given a Windows 2000 server license. Oh, nice. You know, and which doesn't seem like much, but back then a Windows 2000 server license was like $800 or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> cool. NT4 was still quite a thing, you know, so... You know, we went to the seminar and we walked away with $5,000 in just random stuff. Swag. You know, it was great. But And we went, I remember, probably the best one we went to, went to a HP conference one year. It was great. There was impersonators everywhere, like Elvis and Madonna and Marilyn Monroe and like just the whole, <laughs> it was a, a theater, an yep. old theater we went to. And there was just performers everywhere there was food coming around there was alcohol coming around there was apparently a seminar um <laughs> <laughs> and i worked for hp and didn't get any of that and and we were a hp licensed uh one of the few one of the few licensed repairers that wasn't a hp like we're a hp dealer but we weren't um like hp affiliated yep. we're independent um we want we were a licensed repairer we mainly did their commercial industrial stuff like photocopiers and and commercial stuff. But we went to that event and we all walked away with the, the brand new top of the line phases. Nice. Which were the photo quality lasers that they just released. Yeah. Every company, whether they had one person or ten people there, they all got one. They must have handed oh, out about a hundred of them that night. <laughs> it was great. So yeah, after going to them, there's no point watching them. <laughs> I just read the cliff notes. <laughs> well, everything's virtual these days, so well, I'm not going to have any you can go do. It's be cheaper for them. Yeah. Although I still remember the Windows XP one. The first thing they did was when he went to turn the computer on was a blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. And he's like, "This is a this is this is like a pre-release version. It, it does this sometimes." <laughs> Like trying to make it seem like it's a very rare they occurrence. They had it on South Park <laughs> and they had to shoot Bill Gates. <laughs> White Square Capital, run by former Paulson and co-trader Florian Cronowitter, 
told investors it will shut its main fund and return capital this month after a review of its business model, according to people familiar with the fund and a letter to investors. White Square, which at its peak managed about $440 million in assets, had bet against GameStop and suffered double-digit percent losses in January. The move marks one of the first closures of a hedge fund, hedge fund hit by the huge surges in so-called meme stocks. Retail investors often coordinating their actions in an online forum, such as Reddit's uh, Wall Street Bets, and in some cases deliberately targeting hedge fund short sellers, drove up the price of stocks such as GameStop and cinema chain AMC Entertainment in January and again in recent weeks. GameStop, for instance, soared from less than $20 at the start of the year to more than $480 at its January peak. And they were betting against. Hmm. They wanted GameStop to go down. They would make money if it went down, but instead mm. it went up wow. and they lost millions. That led to big losses Whoopsie. for some funds, including US-based Melvin Capital, run by Steve Cohen, protege Gabe Plotkin, and Light Street Capital, run by Glenn Kacher, former Tiger Cub, who worked at Julian Robertson's Tiger Management. However, the funds remain in operation, and shortly after its losses, <clears> Melvin <throat> received a $2.75 billion investment from Cohen's 0.72 Asset Management in Ken Griffin's Citadel. The decision to close down is related to thinking that the equity long and short model is challenged, said Cornerwitter. There are way too many fish in the pond with the same strategy of long and short. He added, the traditional edges being arped away, eroded by other investors, there's an oversupply of capital. A person close to the fund said the decision to shut was unrelated to the meme stock rally. <laughs> <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> fund quickly rebounded in the wake of January's turmoil and made back a fair share of the losses, he said. Mm, uh, a fair share. Not all of them, just some of them. They against Reddit. Uh, You'll lose every time. They're good, aren't they? <laughs> Speaking of um, crypto, yep. you can now use your cryptocurrency at Australia's Lloyd's Auctions. Oh. They're accepting Bitcoin, Ether, and other digital currencies as payment for um, yeah, stuff, whatever they sell. <laughs> so the story is really, really, like, literally, this is like eight pages, but basically it's literally saying that they they, they take crypto now. Um, it's getting more and more legit all the time. <clears throat> the auction house decided earlier this month the blockchain was the best way to prove ownership of a set of negatives capturing moments in Australia's history and I think it was minting the Rose Stereograph Company, a collection of original glass plate negatives from over 140 years of operation via non-fungible tokens. Ah. So they're getting into it at both ends. Yep. Um, so yes, that's pretty cool because... Um, I guess in some respects that would make transactions easier too. Yeah. Because if you did like, not so much with smaller stuff, but with bigger stuff, you know, you, anything over 10 grand, if you're a business, you've got your daily limit on your bank, you've got to ring up and get it lifted so you can transfer the money. And yep. so a lot of the time, actually, if they just took crypto, you just, yeah, have that, it'd be easier. Yeah. Even that happens when normal people just want to send money, <clears> like, I got the solar put on the Tesla Powerwall and I had to ring up the bank to do the transfer because I was over my daily limit mm. very easily there. Yep. Yeah. You could just uh, Bitcoin it through, problem solved. Yeah. That's it. And uh, another quick one. Um, latest victim of the global chip shortage? <gasps> bank cards. Oh. You know, you... Uh, they got chips in them. Paywaves. Yep. Both your Paywave and your insert chip. Yeah, well, guess what? There's a shortage of at the moment. 
So that's going to be fun. Um, the Smart Payment Association, the trade body for the cards and mobile payment industry, has warned that bottlenecks are currently hitting the production of semiconductors is trickling down to some payment card manufacturers who are facing difficulty securing the components they need to produce the cards. Now here's the thing. If you had Bitcoin everywhere, it's just a QR code on your phone. Mm. So you don't need chip cards and all this. You don't have to carry around a wallet this thick with like 20 cards and things in it. All different various things. You just do it all on your phone. Or you do what I do and there's an app you can put on your phone, scan all the cards and you just take the photos of them and then you hold the card against the phone and it records the the chip and depending on the card and the bank cards are different but yep. um so you got to remember now since it's bank cards it can be gym membership cards it could be security entrance cards for a car park it could be a hotel card it could be like all these cards now are all relying on chips yeah i you can know? just pay through my watch anyway so i'm happy <laughs> yeah but i mean like i put my repco card my super cheap card spotlight um costco a lot of those are all on my phone now mm-hmm. you know so it's just not necessarily that I necessarily use them. I still quite often use the card. Yep. But worst case, if I lose the card, at least I've got a hard copy on my phone. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Is there an app name for that? There's a, there's two or three different ones depending on what you want to do. Um, yep. I've I've been through I've been through two or three till I finally found one that worked the way I wanted it to work. I've got one Stow card, but that only works if you've got barcode cards. Yeah, well, that was that was what I was. Like, they all have their quirks. Um, at one point, I was using, like, three different ones. I thought, this isn't... <laughs> this is making it worse, <laughs> not better. Yeah. So, then I did find one um, that worked, and then... So, have a look around. But, yeah, basically, just... Um, I don't know if, I don't know if they have anything on uh, Apple, but on Android, they they have... Yeah, card... Like, card storage. Um, you know, and it, it lets you take photos of the front and the back, and... They, if you've got barcodes and stuff, they can digitize the barcode so it scans properly at the checkout and yeah, makes it like a virtual <clears throat> card. Mm. They're not a bad idea, actually. Um, but yeah, even if you like something like the um, the um, the spotlight card or one of those where you've got or super cheap is another one. You got one card and you got four Bunnings card. You got yep. one card and you got like four different people that you want to use it. So you can mm. just give them the card, and they can scan it on their phones as well, and then everybody who goes. But it's really good for discount cards. Um, yep. Yeah, like your Bunnings card, where you know you want people to be able to use it and get their ten percent discount on trade. Well, you can give them the copy of your trade card, and you still there have you the actual card. Yep. Just be careful who you give it to, because it like <laughs> <laughs> you can. Uh, the the one thing I don't like about the app I currently have is you can share it. So, like, I can send it as a picture to somebody else. All right. Which I understand why. Because if, like, I'm doing card over the phone or something, I can send that to somebody for processing. But at the same time, (laughs) it's not necessarily ideal. Yeah. So, (laughs) but yeah, so basically, you think of of that, anything anything that has a, whether it's a business, whether it's a gym, whether it's a, a... not that we really do uh, library. Oh, well, library card is another one. My library card's got a chip in it. Yeah. The Ipswich Library. So, yeah. The one that gets me into mum's nursing home. Scans at the door with yeah, a chip. scans at the door. The, um, the one for, I've got one for a, 
uh, a locker, like for office works. They get so like after hours collection. They got lockers in the in the car park. Yep. You can go there and scan your card, and it pops up in a locker. That's how I got my um, well, kind of. That's how I got my ring. Uh, it was faster to get it delivered directly to office works. Then I just walk up, said, "I've got the package to pick up." They're like, "Yep, here you go. See ya." Yeah. Yep. So that could be interesting. I mean, you don't think about follow-on um, events like that, mm. you know, like. Even the small little things, like it's going to be the same thing too. If you can't get the chips for the cards, chances are you can't get the chips for the card readers yeah, or the card writers. Yep. So even if you can make the card, you might not be able to put the information on the card. That's right. <laughs> so, hmm. I'll go back to the old one where you... They're illegal now. I have to make them legal again because they can't get the chips anymore. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to use those anymore because um, they stored because they use carbon paper. Yeah, the top people just chucked that in the bin. The top copy was given to the customer. The, you kept the bottom copy, and the carbon paper just went in the bin. So, and it's so imprinted it's, on there. All these all these credit card imprints were just getting chucked in the bin. <laughs> and they went, "Hang on a minute, it's probably not good." <laughs> Yeah, you remember years, like three years ago when they said, don't give out your details, don't give your phone number, don't give your name, don't give your email address because people are doing it for identity theft? Yep. Guess what happens when you're scanning at a, at a, you know, at a shop now? You give me your number, you give me your email address, yep. you give me your name. <laughs> Got to have everything. Nope. New research published in Nature posits that roughly 1,700 stars are in the right position to have spotted life on Earth as early as 5,000 years ago. The stars within 100 parsecs, or about 326 light years of the Sun, were found using data from NASA's Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite and European Space Agency's Gaia mission. And with thousands of exoplanets already found orbiting other stars in our universe, could we have already seen life on other planets come and go? Might they have seen us? The universe's dynamics, says Lisa Kaltenegger, director of Carl Sagan Institute at Cornell and lead author of the study. Stars move, we move. First, the Earth moves around the sun, but the sun moves around the centre of our galaxy. About 70% of exoplanets are found using transit method, when a planet passes between a star and an observer, the star dims enough to confirm the presence of a previously unseen celestial body. Kaltenegger and co-author Jackie Fayette of the American Museum of Natural History compiled a list of stars that will either see or have already seen Earth in transit in their lifetimes. Of these, they found seven stars with orbiting exoplanets that could potentially be habitable. Statistically, one out of four stars has a planet that exists in the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold, or just far enough away from a star to support life. But how do we determine whether far away, far away exoplanets meet these criteria? When transiting exoplanets block stellar light, part of that light filters through the atmosphere. Energy and light interact with the molecules and atoms of that planet, and by the time the light reaches an astronomer's telescope, scientists can determine whether it has interacted with chemicals like oxygen or methane. A combination of those two, Kaltenegg says, is the fingerprint for life. What's really interesting is people could have seen that the Earth was habitable planet since about 2 billion years ago because of the oxygen buildup in the atmosphere. 
The idea of studying transits to find out if we're on someone else's radar isn't really new. Kaltenegger attributed much of her inspiration to a plan the SETI Institute, which pursues the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, had in the 1960s. I've seen Earth, trust me. I don't want to be... No. <laughs> but uh, all of these could have had our um, TV, radio waves and everything heading out past them. They could capture that. Yeah, I've been that... watching reruns of I Love Lucy and enjoying them. I was going to say, have you not seen Galaxy Quest? Single white female TV show that they're watching from Omicron per CI8 Futurama. Or uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, yeah, there was that. There was Galaxy Quest. There was. Um, oh, what was the other one where they're watching the old stuff? Like, yeah, I can't remember now. They're watching like Marx Brothers and stuff like that. Yeah. Something I was watching the other day. But, I mean, theoretically it's possible, but, you know, if they're smart enough to have the technology to not only pick up our transmissions, but to look at us as well, they're smart enough to do a drive-by before they come in. Trust me, they don't want to come in. <laughs> mm, Nothing you know. to see here. Move along. They sent they sent a few people down for <laughs> for checking, like Michael Jackson and... Yeah. Was it the fifth grade teacher who never gets any older? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, Biden had to come from somewhere. I mean, he appeared out of nowhere. Look at it. That thing's not human. And El- Elvis has gone back home. Elvis went back home. Hey, did you see they found... I was watching on uh, YouTube. Uh, a guy has actually tracked down the ambulance that that took Elvis to hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he actually found it sitting out in the field. Oh, right. And it's got the same like number on the side of it and everything that the photos do of him being taken away. Oh, wow. So you got that, and they're restoring it to put into the Elvis Museum, the Graceland ah, Museum. Nice. <laughs> um, just quickly, SpaceX president... <coughs> oh, excuse me. That was random. SpaceX president says Starlink Global Satellite Broadband Service to be live by September. Woo! Uh, we successfully deployed 1,800 or so satellites. Uh, once they reach their operational orbits, we'll have continuous global coverage, um, which will be around September. Uh, the company still needs regulatory approval because <laughs> they've just done all this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so funny. They haven't actually got approval, but they've just put everything in place anyway. <laughs> so, like, like they're not going to get approved. I'm pretty sure that'll happen. Yeah. Um, the launch will come off the back of running beta services in 11 different countries. We've got almost 100,000 users. Half a million people are ready to be signed up, but we need more uh, hardware, basically. They don't have all the hardware boxes made yet. Um. So there's been a few little faults, like some glitch, some dishes have been reported to overheat, and um, a few bits and pieces. But it's the more exception than the rule. Yep. Uh, SpaceX scored 885 million grant funding from the U.S. Federal Communications last December to bring a satellite broadband service uh, to people in 35 U.S. states. Um, it's not only the launch of Starlink, um, they also have, uh, they're leveraging the Starship rocket, um, whether that's flying people to the moon or Mars or using the rocket as a solution for long haul travel on Earth. The suborbital vehicle itself can get halfway around the world in 40 minutes. Cool. You know, you could do a long haul trip from Australia to Central Texas in probably two and a half hours. Nice. Um, you can have a meeting, listen to some engines, get fired and then get back home in time to have dinner with your family. <laughs> it's so, mad. Um, so yeah, so it's um, 
getting closer. Yeah. The interesting thing about this way this will work too, though, currently internet on planes is horrendous because the only way it can work is either radio waves, which are slow, satellite, um, satellite which is patchy because at that altitude, like a satellite footprint is a cone shape. So it comes from the satellite at yeah. a tiny pinpoint and then spreads out over a bigger area. So when you're at altitude, instead of these areas being this big and overlapping, they're only this big and they're patchy. Yeah. So you get a lot of patchy connections. But with the Starlink service, there being so many of them um, and being so close together, it's really going to be a boon for for internet on planes and and stuff like that. Yeah, everyone's going to have their kids watching their favourite shows at full volume in the planes now. What's well, it earphones are for? <laughs> for yeah. me to not hear them, yes. Yeah. Well, I remember when I flew on a plane back when I was, sorry, how old I was, seven or eight? And um, not knowing back then that like the earphones was anyway listen to things, but what I discovered back then was they didn't have different like now it's all digital. Obviously, you plug earphones in like you you would at home. Back then, it was actually an analog system, and there was a hollow pipe that actually ran into each chair, and the earphones you plugged in were a hollow tube like stethoscopes. Oh right, and you're picking up on the sound that was being funneled out that pipe. <laughs> But what I discovered when I was a kid is if I laid down on the seat and put my ear against the armrest, you could hear the sound coming out of the holes in the armrest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that was cool. But yeah, so SpaceX is um, is at it again. So Elon is on the road to success yet again. He's helping out a lot of people and Mm. Bezos is just like, I'm just going to go to Mars or something. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> Except for the Amazon stuff, it's not really helping a lot of people with like internet and stuff. No, I mean he he he's, he's helping himself to a lot of money. Yeah, but there's not a lot of re- reciprocal. Yeah, Musk seems to be <laughs> you know doing some stuff right, even if people are Musk hater. His cars are awesome. The Starlink is awesome. See, the thing is with his designs is he. He doesn't really patent tech. I mean, he patents stuff, but he patents it for public domain. So, like, he basically dares other companies to come at him. Yep. He goes, "Here, look. Here's how I build this. Here's how I do this. Your turn." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what he does. The other companies drag their heels for so long. He's like, "For crying out loud, I'll do it myself. You want something done right? Do it yourself." Yeah. And then the others like. Oh, hey, we can do it too. Hang on, hang on. And by the time they do that, he's on to the next biggest thing, you know. Yeah. So, it's quite funny. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and coffee.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows around Australia and New Zealand. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.